Woohoo! All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Tahoe Olemo. This is the show where young salespeople come to improve their craft, get better, get that promotion, get the next job, whatever it is that you're gunning for. We're here to help. Um, it's Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. My first podcast coming from Chicago. You may have seen if you follow me on LinkedIn, I just moved here uh, on Sunday after six years in the Bay Area, after a month of traveling the country, driving around various parts uh, in between California and Chicago. So I'm here I'm in my apartment. There might be an echo because I own no furniture. So let's just ignore that for this you know, four minute intro because I'm stoked about this episode. Uh, this, is a, this is an all timer. This is a great one. Um, Vin, uh, Vin Matano, is uh, a, a, an AE, senior AE over at Demand Base. Uh, he's been there for almost four years. He's one of the, uh, he's passing up and comer. I mean, he's, he's a really, I've been turning into a, a really big name on LinkedIn and some of the content that he's sharing. Both, uh, he talks about tactical things around, you know, how he's driving pipeline, how he's hitting quota, how he's getting presence club. He's talking about more philosophical, esoteric things. Um, you know, like mindset, he's talking about his experiences, like jumping out of a plane and doing crazy shit like that. And, you know, running races and, you know, he and I connected on a lot of different levels, whether it was sales. He also uh, is a podcast host, through, po- podcast host. He runs the project growth podcast. Uh, we both do, you know, races and adventures and, and like to travel and, um, are from the East coast. He's from New Jersey. So we had a lot in common. We really hit it off, man. We talked about, uh, so many things like, you know, we, we talked about, you know, when he was an SDR at demand base hitting 20 months in a row before he got promoted to AE, we get into some of the creative prospecting tactics he uses, um, some tactical advice on tiering target accounts, multi-threading his deals, doubling his sales from one year to the next to get into president's club. And, you know, just generally about personal development, high performance, growth mindset, Need I say more? If you're into this show, this is going to be a podcast episode you want to stick around for. Um, we're going to get to him in about 27 seconds. Before we do so, uh, I'd love if you just showed some love to the podcast. You subscribe, leave a review wherever you're at. If it's Apple, Spotify, uh, YouTube, if you want to watch us, um, would love if you check that out. And then I'd love if you hit me up on LinkedIn. My name's Tom Alamo, A L A I M O. Follow me. I post just about every single day about sales, mindset, personal development, all that. So subscribe, hit me up on LinkedIn. Those are the two ways to support this show. Without further ado, I'm going to shut the hell up and give you the goods from Vin Matano. Let's go. All right, next on the podcast, coming out of New Jersey. We have got the king of ABM, Mr. Demand Base, Vin Matano. Vin, welcome to the pod, man. What's what's going on, Tom? Dude, I am excited to have you on. Uh, we've I've been a fan of your content for a while. We, we've had a, a good conversation or two, and um, man, I think we're going to bring you are going to bring a lot of value to the audience today. So uh, I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, I've been following your stuff from afar too, and then when we finally met, uh, we we had a ton in common. So I'm excited about it as well. For sure, man. For sure. And congrats. I saw you hit President's Club. Is that what two years in a row? Both years as an AE? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely pretty excited about that. I started as an AE in 2020. 
Um, and yeah, hit President's Club my first year and then uh, second year did as well. So I think we're going to Mexico. Hopefully that happens. Uh, I don't know with like, you know, everything going on, but uh, hopefully that happens. That'd be cool. I, I was just going to ask where in Mexico. They said they're going to Punta Mita, but um, I am I'm not getting my hopes up until like I see it like on paper just because of the state of everything right now. It's like you, you can't really look, you know, plan for or anything. Yeah, that's funny. That's where ours is, too. When no is, way. When is yours? They haven't said they uh, I think oh, it's okay. just sometime in uh, end of May, I think. OK, what about you? ours is like the second or third week of June. Oh, man, saying, it'd be hilarious if we were there at the same time in the same place. Legendary. <laughs> just a, a SaaS sales party down there. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Oh, man, that's funny. Um, well, yeah, man, I'm excited to uh, to get into your story. I'd love to kick off just learning like how you got into sales. Like what was your first sales job before? I know you I think you came to demand base out of school, but I think you did yeah. something. Was it door to door or what was the first gig? Yeah, so. I like knew I wanted to get into sales. Like when I was in college, that was, I was looking for sales opportunities. So a lot of my like, you know, internships in college were sales related and I didn't really know what avenue to go down in terms of like, okay, I, I do enjoy sales, but like, what exactly should I sell? What industry? Um, so I did a lot of like high volume, just like traditional sales gigs that were just like awful, you know, like, you know, phone calling, telemarketing, uh, one, one summer I did a door to door job, which you just mentioned, it was for Verizon. So I was selling like, you know, Wi-Fi, you know, cable TV and phone services door to door. And that was like, that was nuts. It was absolutely insane. We had to do 60 houses a day Damn. and we had to close them on the spot. And like, you know, Verizon's pretty expensive. It was like a few hundred dollars, uh, per contract. And it's me, the stranger coming up to their door. Uh, and part of it, they did a soft credit check. So you needed their social security number. Wow. So you needed to literally, not only did you need to get them to say yes, but you needed to get like really sensitive information from them just to freaking sign up for a, for a Wi-Fi or phone service. So that was wild, but it, it, it taught me a lot. And um, I was like numb to rejection after that, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so it definitely like helped me out a lot long-term, I think. What was your opening line? Do you remember or like what, what do you, oh, how man. Do you start that? Okay. So this place was like, you know, this place was literally like super old school sales. Like we would come into the office first and all you would do is um, uh, mock pitches every single morning for like an hour or an hour and a half. And then from there you'd go onto the field. So I even remember the opening, the opening thing was uh, something along the lines of like, Hey, we're here with Verizon. We're doing, uh, we're installing some of your neighbors with uh, Verizon Fios and then you go into the conversation there. So you're acting like you're kind of just there because you're installing some neighbors, even though that wasn't the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And out of the, so you hit 60 doors a day, like mm -hmm. how many, how many sales like a day or a week was like your quota or expected? I if I remember correctly, and this was like, I think five or six years ago at this point, I, I believe it was two a week, two, you had to close two deals a week, I yeah. believe. So it's like one every 150. Yeah, dude, that's a it was, big time rejection rate. That's exactly. Crazy. And like when I when I got into like demand base and it's more of like an account based approach. So there's less volume. Yeah. You know, I was barely doing 60 activities a day in my desk. So think about like 60 houses a day. Right. So it's it's just crazy. like polar opposites of, of a sales experience. Why did you know that you wanted to get into sales? That, that feels a little unusual uh, to know that early in your life. Yeah. I don't know. I was always like kind of a hustler. 
um uh, my dad i think it's a good, good influence from my dad he was like a small business owner and he like knew everybody in town kind of thing um you know his brothers were entrepreneurs small businesses so like i don't know like the sales was always just something that was you know if you're a small business owner you're, you're everything right you're doing sales you're doing all that stuff um that's something that just what, what was me. his business he owned a bike shop for a long time um nice. yeah and sales is something that was attracted to me because you can get rewarded for just like working harder and that was like just super attractive to me yeah i mean there's there's something to be said i always like recommend to college people or people that want to get into sales that don't know what it's all about like go do the door-to-door -door. yeah i did cutco so go do something yeah. like that and if you can handle that like you know it's it's nothing it's nothing to go like make some cold calls or it's nothing to oh, like yeah. tear out accounts and like be an ae and try to close deals like getting people in their homes when they're not expecting you or uncomfortable to give the social security number to this random college kid i mean that's mm -hmm. that's legit man so um I, I think those experiences only make you so much stronger and uh, makes everything else seem like nothing in comparison yeah, I think door to door. Um, it also, like working in the hospitality space, I think is a really good intro. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was like a waiter for a little bit or like a food runner. Yep. And that you're talking to strangers like, you know, sometimes they're upset. You have to deal with why they're upset and things like that. And, you know, you work hard and maybe you get a bigger tip. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's another good way to just like a lot of people that are in sales. I feel like I have, they have worked in the hospitality space at some point. Yeah, for sure. And people, I mean, people can just be kind of assholes, you know, at restaurants oh, yeah. and especially, I feel like even the nicer the place, the more, more likely you might feel that. So, yeah. um, so when you went to demand base coming in hot, uh, 20 months in a row hitting quota, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. So it was just like a polar opposite experience from what I was used to. Like I was used to, like I said, door to door, uh, like telemarketing, which was just like, you know, hundreds of calls a day. And I stumbled into demand base, actually. I didn't know too much about the tech space, um, but I just got really good vibes from everyone there. And, and the biggest thing for me was like, they didn't force me to hit this wild activity number, which I was used to in the past. So I was like, this is awesome. Like I, I get to actually like take my time. And for me, that was just a very big, you know, big difference for me. So, you know, my big thing was around like personalized prospecting. That was kind of like my bread and butter. And I think it still is. And they allowed me to like find my groove, find, you know, try new things out that worked. Um, and I was just like <clears throat> getting in rhythm, honestly. And I just kind of kept doing that uh, every single month. So what was the, um, they don't have like activity metrics that you need to hit. It's, they, it's more of a focus on like meeting set or pipeline. So they do, um, they have a, they have a goal. It's not a quota. It's an activity goal. I believe it was 60 activities at the time. Okay. It's probably, I don't know if it's changed since, but they used to have a, a goal where it would say, Hey, based on the numbers, you typically need to do this amount of activity to get to, I don't know, two or three meetings a week, whatever the number is. Um, and that was just like a, a thing you would work towards. But like, honestly, there would be lots of weeks where I would fall under that, but I was hitting my number and, and actually, you know, producing um, well above my, my quota. So they didn't like say, Oh, Vin, you hit your quota, but you, you didn't make your three dials today. Like, you know, they weren't doing that. Um, so that's, that's something that like, I talk about a lot where like, you know, management needs to shift. If there's some organizations where they're very strict on the activity goal and like even top producing reps that fall into the activity goal will still be under fire. And, mm. and that just seems backwards to me. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like a lot of times it feels like activity metrics are, they have a, it's a good thought behind them, but it's not based on science. It's not based on 
well, you've been as a, as a salesperson, we know your conversion rates are X and that's how we backed into this number. It's like, now all SDRs need to make the same amount of calls and emails when, you know, you could get more meetings with less and maybe there's someone else that got the same amount of meetings as you, but did it with twice as many calls and they just blasted the list. And yeah. um, there's just multiple ways to get there. Um, when you're talking about personalization of outreach, like what was your, were you a big cold caller, email, video? Like, I'm sure you had to do everything, but like, what was your preference and how'd you? Uh, definitely email. I was not, I was not a big cold caller. Um, yeah. I, I used email a lot because I just saw success with it. For me, I started experimenting with personalization. Um, like super early on, I would just like reference personal thing. Like, you know, if someone shared something that was like a hobby or like, you know, an article they wrote, I would just reference that. Yeah. You know, nowadays we talk about like personalization plus relevance. I wasn't doing any relevant relevance back then. It was just like, hey, I saw you did this. And I noticed it was helping me with the open rates. And some people even were responding uh, at that point in time. This was back in 2018. And um, so I started like digging into that. I'm like, okay, well, if I reference something that the prospect likes, I'll get an open rate. So now how can I get them to respond? And that's when I started working on more of the relevancy. It's just not just naming something random, but like finding something that you can leverage in your outreach. So I typically look for like three things. I look for something about the prospect that, that I can use to grab their attention that helps with the open rates. Um, I use something that's based on either the industry or the company. Um, so whether they, you know, you know, acquired a new business or they did a rebrand um, or they're growing or whatever it is, um, or maybe a public company, you can find something in their 10K. That's the second thing I look for. And then the third thing I look for is I'll dive into my CRM and see like, have we spoke with them in the past? Are they familiar with demand base? Um, you know, were they, in, were they a previous customer? Stuff like that. So that, that was like my formula over time was like, okay, if I personalize it based off the prospect, maybe they'll open it. If I, you know, bring some relevancy with, or if I come off as an expert understanding their business and industry, um, I'll, I'll be trusted. And then the third thing is like, okay, maybe I can tie in relevance um, so they can actually respond to me. So that was like the, the formula of all my emails, basically. So when you're thinking about that, um, how many, when you're an AE and maybe it's changed over time, but like, what does your territory look like? Like roughly how many accounts are you dealing with? So we actually just redid them. Um, I think I own about a hundred or so target accounts. So at demand base, okay. we do a lot of tiering. Um, yep. So we'll have like, you know, a hundred target accounts. Those are my main accounts that I really want to do business with. Um, and then from there, we have like AE top 30, which are like my 30 best accounts. And then even more so we actually have AE top five, which are our top mm. five accounts that like, you know, in my eyes, like my top five accounts are the ones that are like change my, change my life. Like they'll, they'll be a huge deal. Um, get me to my number easier. And that's how we break it up. And then I have a bunch of like non-target accounts in my name that I typically don't really reach out to. So you're basically working off those hundred. And then um, how do you go about like, you know, the one, one question I get from people when they're talking about, you know, personalizing and, and relevant emails and like taking the time to do that is like, well, I don't have time to do that, to go multi-thread, you know, five people at an account times a hundred accounts and I just don't have enough time in the day to do that. So how do you, how do you chunk that out uh, over time? Yes, yeah, so I, I get that question a lot too. It's like, how do you scale personalization? And the answer yeah. is you're not supposed to scale it. Mm. So, you know, do you guys use like an outreach or sales loft? Yeah, we, we do. Yeah, we have. Yeah. So, you know, you're familiar with that idea of like creating cadences, right? And the way I yeah. think about leveraging those tools is like, okay, let's find my top accounts this week 
those could be based on if they're a good fit firmographically, they fit your ICP, um, they're in your, in, in your industry, they have the tech stack you care about, all those things. There's an additional layer that maybe some folks don't have access to, but if you do, it's good to tie that in. And it's like buying signals, intent data, web activity, um, engagement on content. That's what yeah. we focus on for like, hey, these are my top accounts just this week. And for this week, I might focus on like 10 accounts um, at a time. And those are getting one-to-one -one outreach. Yeah. And as an SDR, you know, you're reaching out to way more than 10 accounts, of course. Um, so an SDR might use sales off their outreach to say, okay, my tier one accounts are getting a one-to-one -one outreach. My tier two accounts are getting, you know, one to few outreach. I'm, I'm using some snippets or templates and then putting some personalization in it. And then my tier three accounts, I might just choose to put all, you know, in a more templated cadence in sales off their outreach. So that's the way I'm breaking it up. You're not supposed to, you know, send yep. personalized emails to everybody. So in your, as an AE for your tier ones, um, are you going up and down like the food chain in terms of like title wise? And then do you, are you personalizing at each of those people or just at mm -hmm. the, like make it uh, personalized at the account level? Um, Maybe it depends. Yeah, no. So it's a good question. So like you mentioned earlier, there's like three parts of my emails typically. Yeah. The first part is always going to be changed to the person I'm reaching out to. Right. So the bottom two parts those can be copy and paste because it's based off the company or industry and then something maybe in our CRM that I found. So I can pretty much use 75%, 80% of the email to everyone at the account and just change the first few first sentence or so. Mm. Okay, got it. I know we're mm. getting a little tactical, but it just seems like something that you've got really dialed in. And uh, I feel like a lot of people can, can learn from. And there's a lot of talk I see on LinkedIn and, and podcasts and stuff about you know, how to send a cold email or how to make your cold call, but there doesn't seem to be a lot about prioritizing your accounts, right. Yeah. And tiering them and then digging into them and, and the tactics to do that. So um, mm -hmm. I feel like if we, uh, you know, my, my fiscal year started in February. So the first few weeks, it's like, I'm not selling much, but I'm spending a lot of time sharpening the ax to make sure mm -hmm. I prioritize and spend the next 11 and a half months doing the right things. And hopefully that's a good investment in time. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so you just finished your second year as an AE. Yep. And it looks like what you, you roughly doubled the amount of rev that you closed between the two years. Yeah, just about. So what's the, what's the deal there? You, you had better accounts or you did something different. You focused on the whales. Like what, <laughs> what was the, what was the difference? Yeah. So I think like, you know, my first year as a seller, I was still like learning a ton. Um, and I was, you know, I was doing well, but I was still, you know, losing some deals. I probably shouldn't have lost kind of thing. And year two, I think the big difference was focusing more on a, a personalized presentation and focusing more on the why, which is like something every salesperson always needs to work on. Like, I'm still trying to get better at that. But I think like actually digging into why they looking into our solution, what they care about, and like literally word for word, whatever they say, like outlining that on my presentation and going into specific use cases versus just like feature versus function. Mm -hmm. And then I think also another big thing is like, you know, multi-threading within those deals. So I think those are the two biggest things I, I tried to work on the following year. And um, I definitely saw it pay out um, at the end of the year. So it feels like the first one kind of ties back to discovery. You now, yeah. like making sure you're getting to like what that, that key pain point is and, and trying to make sure it's meaty enough to, you know, turn it from a, I don't know what your deal sizes are, but turn it from a 50 K to a hundred K because it's a bigger problem you're solving. Right. Um, is that, is that fair? Like, are you asking different types of questions? 
Um, I, th I think so. I think I'm still trying to do better job at discovery. And I think if you ask every rep, they're always trying to do better job at discovery. Yeah. I think, I think instead of just like moving on to like the next part of, um, my presentation, I think I'm just trying to go deeper. So I don't know if it's like better questions. I think it's just like getting, you know, layering questions. I think it's something I was, that I was really focused on. Um, and I'm, like I said, still trying to, to get better at that always. Just peeling back the onion. Peeling back the onion. That's exactly right. So they, you know, they say like, you know, we're trying to do X, Y, Z. Instead of being like, great, we do that. We help solve for that. You know, we say, okay, why do you want to do that? What happens if you don't do that? You know, those types yeah. of questions. Are you, do you have training like a Sandler or something like that? Some sort of training at Demand Base? Um, no, we, we follow, no, we follow medic, which is like, not, I guess not really a, a training, um, but no, we don't have anything formal. Got it. It's, um, we, we've used Sandler at Gong and it's, it's like, that's pretty much like what they, exactly what they teach you is like trying to get to the second, third, fourth level of pain. And, yeah. uh, and I didn't do that in my days at, at tech target, like that, I feel like I focus more on the art than the science of sales. Yeah. And so in my interview, I had to run a mock demo. And they're like, they're like giving me one word answers on the discovery. I'm like, these fuck. like, so I had to keep that going <laughs> further and further, like to the point where it was uncomfortable. I'm like, damn, that you got to do that much discovery. Okay. Like, damn, that's a whole new, that's a whole new muscle we got to build up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I think I fall into that trap too. Like, you know, the art versus the science. I, I think, I think a lot of people that come from the SDR space, which most sales folks are like, you have to be creative you have to focus on the art aspect of sales and i think that sometimes carries over too much when you move into a closing role but um yeah i've definitely noticed that i feel like it it's also about who you're selling to because mm -hmm. you're selling to marketers mostly right yeah and that's who i was selling to and i feel like you know i've never sold to it but i i imagine that if you're dealing with like a CISO, it just seems like the conversation is less fun it's like, it seems mm -hmm. like it's a little more dot, like a little more like sciencey and yeah. dialed in and technical than marketing or, or sales, at least from my experience, like it feels like you do have a lot, some wiggle room in that lens. And like that sometimes plays a heavier portion of like where your success can come from. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never sold it and I'm not, I'm not uh, pining to either, but uh, it just seems like that's, that could be the case. Yeah. I don't have any experience with that, but I, I would imagine that's the case. Um, so what about multi-threading? Uh, every rep knows like the pain of you're working the deal with one person, they're leading you on. They're like, yes, yes. Like we're going to buy this thing. Let's do it. And then something comes in at the last minute. Uh, Hey, we went with a competitor. Hey, procurement wants to bite your head off and get 30% discount. Uh, you know, my boss isn't sold on it. So we got to restart from the beginning like all this stuff that can come up. So um, I think we all know the importance of multi-threading, but it's more about like, how do you do that once a deal's going down? Like, do you have any tips on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Gong helps with that as well, not to plug Gong, but- um, Shout out I, to Gong. Yeah, shout out to Gong. And again, in, in, in comparison of what I was doing last year, I was like, you know, I, I found a champion and they, and they like are giving me all this great info. And I was just like getting so hung up on the champion that like I would- neglect the other folks that were important to the evaluation and I would, and any of the deals i would lose last year like i would hear them say like oh you know like i love demand base but you know you know xyz person you know like said competitor or this person wasn't really bought into the whole idea of abm and i was like finding that as a theme so when multi-threading i think now what i'm trying to focus on is when you have a big demo with everybody let's say there's like six folks in the room 
after the demo is done, send the follow-up email like you typically do. Like some, you know, most people follow a structure we do at Demandbase. Send that to everyone that that joined, um, and then break off from there. And I actually use Gong to help multi-threading. Actually, not this is not a <laughs> advertisement. I'll literally go back into Gong. Um, you know, let's say you know this guy Jim was on the call. I'll go into any line that Jim said. Literally copy and paste what he said. You know, Jim's interested in advertising. Let's just say it's a really high level example. I'll reply back to that thread, just one off to Jim and say, hey, Jim, I know you're interested in our advertising you know, product. Here's some more resources on it. Want to make sure your questions were answered. Would it make sense to have like a one-off conversation about specifically just advertising? Mm. So that's what I've been trying to, to do. And, and it's been working for me um, last, <clears throat> last year. Most of the time, you know, you, as salespeople, we don't get a lot of responses, but you still have to do those type of things because it shows that you're you are actually spending a lot of time and making sure that everyone fully understands the value of your solution. And two, if they do agree to the call, like, like that's going to like incredibly help your deal. Yeah. That's, that's such a great example because if you have those six people, it's possible none of them respond, but yeah. they still might be taking that info as you know, most conversations that impact whether you hit quota you're not even part of that conversation. They're happening behind closed doors. Right. And so you want to set yourself up as, as good as possible. And if Jim does take you up on that call, like you said, then all of a sudden you got another champion, right? You got oh, yeah. another person you can influence. You can ask for info about um, and, and get the nitty gritty from his point of view. And so you can, the more conversations you have, the deeper you can get in, the more, um, I think just think the better chance you have on, on winning the deal. Yeah, it's funny in sales, like most of the thing, most things you do, you're not going to, it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. Cause if it worked, you would, you would, you would never miss a deal. You would close every single deal. Right. And it's funny. Like there's so many things that we have to do extra as salespeople that like you may not get the immediate satisfaction or reward from. And that's another example, like taking, you know, if there's 10 people on the call, you're sending 10 emails to everyone. That, that takes a long time. Yeah. You may not see that instant benefit right away, but it might help you. Like you said, later on down the line, close to close. That's a mentality thing. You know what I mean? That's like totally. the same as like prospecting, you know, you spend an hour sending emails that say you're pro if you get response, you're probably not going to get a response within that hour. You know, you no. might get one later. You might not get one for a week from something you send and it might be your fifth touch or something. So how do you like mentally, how do you build that skill of like delaying gratification? Honestly, I don't even know if there's a skill to that. It's just like the name of the game in sales. Like you just have to know that you're not going to get the quick wins right away. Um, maybe that was from my time going door to door. I have no idea. Um, I think one of the things to remember in terms of like, you know, delaying gratification is like this compounding effect, right? So there's a, I'm sure you might've read the book, the compound effect. Yeah. It's like all these little activities will build up into something greater. Um, so for example, you mentioned prospecting, like, you know, one of the, one of our target accounts we were reaching out to, and this is a real example, we were reaching out to like crazy, like they were showing signals. They're one, they're one of my top five accounts. And we were just like me and my SDR were just on them. Um, you know, we were seeing email opens, no responses. We finally get a response from this VP of marketing. Um, and she mentioned like, oh, I saw your emails. I'd love them. <laughs> right. She never yeah. responded, but it took, yeah. it took us two months to get a response. But like, she was like, oh, your emails were like, I love your emails. I, yeah. I sent them to my sales team. Like I wanted them to, to see personalization. If I would have just been like, oh, screw that. Like she never answered me. I think we would have never had the conversation or we, we would have got in maybe later. Yeah. Right. That, that's so true. It's just like, it's just the mentality that you got to put, like you got to, you, you've got to do the act. You got to focus on the, the process more than the result. And 
I feel like one thing that that's helped me is like just trying to do hard shit in general. And I know that you're uh, you're a fitness guy. I think you've done, I think it was marathons or, or races or stuff. Like I feel like there's a direct correlation to doing that type of training and, and you could find it in another area too. I I've just found it in this mm-hmm. um, and how that translates to a lot of things in life. So I'd love to hear you riff on that, like um, on what you've done and, and just like how that might've impacted your mentality too. Yeah. I, I mean, I just like, rec- I kind of recently got into racing, like running yeah. probably like two or three years ago. Uh, I think it was 2019. So three years ago at this point, but you're absolutely right. And I know you do a lot of races yourself. Like I, I never was a runner. Like I always did sports that did not involve a lot of long distance running. So I was just always yeah. like turned off by the thought of running. And my buddy had me sign up for the marathon. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not running the marathon, like 26 miles. Like that sounds one terrible i've never ran more than five miles in my life and it was once and that just sounded like something that was like pretty outrageous to me but you start the training and it's a lot of just training programs you can follow you start the training week by week you can see like real progress to the point where like you know the five miles that i thought was really hard a few weeks ago was like was like nothing yeah. um and you really start to build that progress but it takes so long it's that compounding effect running a few times a week consistently every single week and to the point where you're now like you know eight weeks into the training and all of a sudden you're you're just running like way more miles than you ever thought and that same mindset goes to sales it's like okay you like you said earlier you might not get a response right off the bat but if you use this compounding effect where you're putting in this work or you mentioned like a progress in place you know long term you may have a, a more healthier pipeline yeah um and it really just taught me like i was like okay wow if i just have enough time. I think like Will Smith said it, it was like, he said something like, um, I can pretty much do anything if you give me enough time to train for it. And I, yeah. and that kind of stuck with me. I'm like, okay, maybe there is a lot more things that I thought I couldn't do that I could do. Maybe I just need a little bit more time. Yeah. I fucking love Will Smith. Me too. <laughs> uh, did you, did you read his book? Of course, man. I got the audio version. Same. Uh, yeah. I, I, I usually prefer a regular book, but when it's a biography like that, you know that there's going to be some, you want to hear the tone. You want to hear him telling the stories. That's a great one. Um, uh-huh. I'm just seeing like YouTube videos or whatever of him talking. Do you have any other people like that, that you follow that? Um, I don't know. It could be on Instagram or YouTube or wherever that just like kind of get you fired up. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you heard of Ryan holiday. Oh he's a, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, he's a pretty big author. Um, he has like experience in the marketing space, but he's gotten like, a growing following from kind of uh, normalizing stoicism, which yeah. sounds kind of nerdy, but it's really not. It's, it's, it's really just like the thought process of like um, controlling what you can control and not focusing on the things you can't control. That's kind of the core principle of like stoicism, but he's made, he's made a lot of that like um, kind of modern and he writes it in a way where you can consume it. So he posts a lot of good content um, on like Instagram and TikTok, just about like quick things about stoicism I have some of his books, like the daily stoic, which like shares, you know, one page a day about like something from stoicism. So I've been like getting into that. And that again, is not related to sales at all. It's more so like a mind, you know, how you should be thinking about your mindset. Mm. I couldn't, he's actually probably my favorite author. I've got a, I got a chain. The obstacle is the way. Oh, nice. Which is his, one of his books he wrote my favorite book. And uh, the whole premise being like, if you have everyone's got obstacles in life and like instead of like running away from them or trying to run around it it's just like the best way to do is like you gotta you gotta tackle it and you just gotta go head first and uh 
yeah, I mean, he's kind of got the, he's got a pretty big following now, but he, he, he started really niche, but like sports teams have picked it up and like mm -hmm. talks about like, you know, people in history and military. And so people have not, uh, if they're not familiar, I would definitely recommend checking him out on, uh, on Instagram or one of his books and, and get into it. Yeah. He's got, um, he's got a coin that has Memento Mori on it. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. And Memento Mori essentially means like, it literally translates to like, remember, remember that you'll die, but it's supposed to be like, okay, our time on earth here is like, you know, not infinite. So we have to make sure we're spending time wisely. And I really like that. And I got a tattooed on my thigh facing me. Um, so I, it's a kind of like a reminder. So I'm like, yeah, I, I've gotten like really into it. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's hilarious that you say it. Cause as you were saying that I was thinking the other day, so I do not have any tats. I'm clean. I got just my skin all over. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I kind of want to get a tat and my sister's trying to talk me into doing one with her and I might. And, uh, but there's like, man, I want like an inspirational Sam, a big, like words guy, a big quotes guy. Yeah, me I'm too. like, dude, that would be, I was like, mental more, that would be fucking badass, like on the wrist or something. So you just see it every day. And it's like, remember you're going to die. Like, don't be afraid to do stuff, you know, Yes. like treat people well, work hard, be honest, like all the things that, you know, you got to do but it's easy to kind of forego that if you think like life's going to last forever or you don't kind of like take each day seriously. So yeah, I can see why people would, you could like think like, man, that's a little dark, but to me, it's just, it, it's the opposite of that. It, it brings a lot of hope and just a lot of like importance to every day. Yeah. That, that's how it works for me. And there's actually a second layer to like memento Mori that apparently they used to say to like people that high, had high up in power, people would say mm -hmm. like, remember that you're mortal, like you're one of us kind of thing. And I think that's pretty grounding too. So that's like the second layer to it that I think is pretty grounding too. Wow. That's great. You have yeah. any other, any other tats or any that you uh, wish to share? Uh, <laughs> none that I wish to share. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe offline. Fair. Very fair. Yeah. Um, we've talked about, uh, you mentioned the, the compound effect. I think that's Darren Hardy. That's a great book. Yeah. It's a great resource. Um, I'd love to, to get into some others. I imagine that you've, you've got some good, uh, some good ones up your sleeves. So any books that have made an impact, they could be sales, they could be personal development, they could be something completely different, but anything that stand yeah. out? Yeah, I really don't even like sales books, to be honest. Yeah, um, they're just because it sales changes so quick, like, it gets outdated very quickly, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so my favorite books to read are more so on like psychology, or like, I do like biographies as well. Um, probably my two favorite books Actually, I'll, I'll recommend three. I think my three favorite books are Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm. That one's incredible. Um, classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yep. I want to read that more. I want to continue to reread that. And then what was the third one? Um, oh, Grit is a good one. Grit basically, good on the, 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 basically on the concept of like growth versus like a fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. Those are all great. Those are all, I mean, you can't miss with any of them. Yeah. Atomic Habits has been brought up a lot on this podcast by guests. And really? um, it's just, uh, I love it because there's, there's, there's something to be said about kind of reading something that's inspiring and getting you fired up. And then like that book is just so tactical. That's mm -hmm. just like, here's the science behind it, behind like the habit. Here's how you build it. And then here's why like doing that small habit, like the compound effect is going to lead to major results in the future. Um, and I just love how kind of like blunt he is in that approach. Yeah. There's also another good book that's on the, on the topic of habits called um, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. 
Mm-hmm. That was like way well before Atomic Habits, and they even reference him in that book too. And that one's really good too. It, it's not as tactical, but it's more so of like how habits are formed, how to break habits, um, how the mind works, and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty good. How about on um, you know, other forms of learning? I'm not sure if you're a podcast guy or if you follow different people on LinkedIn or YouTube or anything like that, but, but anywhere else that you've been tuning in, that's been helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I enjoy podcasts a lot. Um, I think, like I said, a lot of the stuff that I'm like trying to focus on is more so like outside of sales. Cause I think it, it helps directly with my day to day. Any topics um, fair game. Yeah. On purpose with Jay Shetty is really good. Mm. Um, School of greatness with Lewis Howes. Um, and then I actually have some that are just like more news stuff. There's a one called group chat that I like. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm big into podcasts for sure. What yeah. about you? There was a, there was like a, a nine day span, like a couple of years ago. And I was like checking Lewis house out and like his studio and all that shit. And he's got all these amazing guests. I'm like, I'm going to go fuck. I'm going to do that. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go be Lewis house. And then <laughs> obviously I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make that decision. Uh, but I'm, I'm a fan. Um, yeah, he's for, good. for me, I mean, similarly, I don't, I don't really listen to sales podcasts personally. Um, I think the only two that I would say are even worth people's time other than this one are, uh, John Barrows, make it habit Mondays. Uh, cause I'm a big fan of him and I like 30 minutes of presidents club with yeah. Armand and Nick. Those guys are legit. Um, have you been on that? I feel like you have. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're cool. Um, and then otherwise, I go all over. I listen to some sports ones. I listen to some personal development. Like, um, you know, I'd listen to the school of greatness is one. Um, I'm a fan of Jocko Willink, mm. who's a ex Navy seal. Tim Ferriss has personal development stuff on there. And then every once in a while, I'm a, I'm a big hip hop guy. Me too. So I listen to a couple of hip hop, uh, podcasts where they like break down albums. Which uh, one dissect dissect is great. And then I listen to another one called no skips. Okay. I've heard, I've heard of no skips. I haven't listened to it yet though. Which, which is a little bit more like it's deep dissect is like, that's like nerdy. That's like as nerdy as I've ever heard about music. Incredible. No skips is a little bit more like there's a lot of comic relief. It's, it's funny, Mm. but they also break it down too. So it's cool. I would definitely recommend that too. So what's your favorite hip hop album of all time? The (laughs) best, I mean, poof. I was going to ask you something like that. Okay. Now we flip the, we flip the, uh, I mean, I think Illmatic already, Illmatic oh, by Nas nice, yeah. to die is mm-hmm. are like the top two. The one that I've probably listened to the most just based, based on how I grew up was, um, the Slim Shady LP by Eminem. Yeah. Cause I was obsessed with Eminem in middle school. Uh-huh. Like I listened to him every single day. How about you? Yeah. Illmatic's up there for me. Honestly, my, my answer might be basic, but I, this is like more new age hip hop, but my beautiful dark twisted fantasy by Kanye. Ooh. That's just my, I just love Kanye. I'm a huge Kanye fan. Um, so that album is just like gospel to me. Um, my other favorite hip hop album is get Richard die trying by 50 cent. Oh man. Yeah. Talk about a good audio book, by the way, 50 cents. If you haven't listened. Oh, I have not. That's a good recommendation. Actually. It's good, man. It's good. He talks just about, you know, music but also just like yeah you know, he's up at 4 30 like doing his workouts and he's invested in vitamin water and all this shit it's it's good dude i'm actually um, i'm gonna i'm gonna add that to my list actually because that 50 cent is great that album i put that album on like way too much like before a call <laughs> i put that out i literally will play um what's that no i'm blanking on the song 
um if i can't that's like my go-to song on yeah. the album before a big call and it just pumps me up i love it yeah something like him something like lil wayne uh yeah, even you, yeah something like that like kanye the reason i love kanye is like he's all he's so like i could just you just tell how much he believes in himself you know what i mean like yeah. he thinks he can do anything and so when he puts that in a song you're like fuck yeah like let's go you know yeah. his so uh I, his yeah. his documentary just came out yesterday, Kanye, on Netflix. On what? On Netflix. Whoa. It's really good. I have plans tonight now, Vin. <laughs> it's really good. Dude, they were following him since he was like 19. Like he had a cameraman. They started filming a documentary about him before he was big. Because he, no he, he believed that much in himself. He was like, I'm going to blow up. And uh, it's like the first episode, they only released it. And he's just like going to record labels and like trying to pitch his music. And he was playing like Jesus Walks, All Falls Down to these people. And they were just like, no. Nah. Like, wow. how do you not sign him after that? You know, and it was just like crazy to think like he's like this like bigger than life guy. And then you yeah. see him at like 18, 19 years old with like retainers in and yeah. no one's giving him the time of day. It's actually it's crazy. Wow. I'm definitely going to have to watch that. I heard he used to like he'd go into conference rooms and he'd like get up on the table like when he start playing his music. So he'd like be getting into it during the meeting. I believe that's it. crazy. That's crazy. Um, and you're a basketball guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty basketball, right. so. You you were like had pro dreams. I don't know how legit that was, but <laughs> no, nah, it was just that was a joke on my uh <laughs> I mean I think every kid had pro dreams at some yeah, point, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. You I know, didn't shoot, know if he was like shooting the last shot, shooting the last shot in your driveway. Like everyone has pro dreams. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Who are your who are your top five? Uh I know you're a Knicks guy, but who are your top five players? All time. Um oh, all time. Oh, is this like favorite or like your your, your favorite? Okay, so this is going to, like, you might hate me for this. My favorite player is Chris Paul. Oh, I like Chris Paul. Okay, he's not – he's polarizing. People don't so. like him, though. People hate – sometimes they get angry at me when I tell people that. <laughs> I don't uh, get why. He is my favorite player. I go to um, – he obviously played for mostly – actually, all only um, West Coast teams, so it's kind of hard yeah. to see him live. Anytime he was playing the Knicks or the Nets, I was, like, making – I was there. Um, so I've seen him play a ton of times. I flew in, I actually flew to see him a few times too. Um, wow. Huge Chris Paul fan. I'm loving what they're doing this year with the Suns. I just uh, coincidentally, I was it. I was in Scottsdale, Phoenix, for a few days and went to one of the game. Went to the game on. I stayed a couple extra days and went to the game on Tuesday nights. So that was the first time I saw him live. Who they play? And Devin Booker, uh, the Clippers. Oh, that was a good game. Yeah, they, they won by. It was only a handful of points. It was tight. That was a good game. All right, so he's one. Who are the other four? Oh man, this is gonna be tough. Uh, I mean, love love watching Kobe. I think everyone did. <clears throat> um, who else did I like? I used to like a lot of the small guards because I was very small growing up, and I was a guard, so I used to watch yeah. a lot of the. So I used to like love watching like highlight tapes of like Jamal Crawford. Nice. Um, I used to like watching highlights of like Mike Bibby. Pretty much all <laughs> yeah. the small guards that were like good at handle handling the the ball. I used to just yeah. love watching Jason Kidd. Yeah. um tim hardaway yeah I, that's basically i used to just watch youtube compilations of just like like crossovers honestly yeah yeah that's awesome i love it i was yeah. i was the same way um and i haven't i still haven't grown i'm still waiting for my growth spurt but i haven't hit it yet yeah still still we still have the hoop dreams you know you can't get rid of them <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> it's never too late, it's never um, too late. <laughs> man so what's the uh so to get back to sales before we uh, before we sign off, so you first year AE smashed it, Presidents Club. Second year AE 
doubled your, your revenue back to presence club. This is your third year. Um, what's the mentality? Like, have you, uh, you know, have you made any changes or like any, like, are you adding anything to the arsenal right now that you think is going to make a big difference for, for 2022 or what's top of mind? Yeah, man. I'm like, I'm still so early into my like actual selling career. So I'm still learning a ton. There's still so many gaps like that I've noticed in my sales process that I'm really trying to hone in on. And I think this year, well, not to like go on the demand-based talk track, but demand-based released like a bunch of new products and, and a new kind yeah. of rebrand. So there's a lot of like training and learning I need to do product wise. Mm -hmm. And this year, my goal is to like sell those new products that we now have, cause they're going to, they'll be actually a larger ticket price. So that's a big focus of mine, but in terms of like the sales practices, um, you know, trying to, trying to get better at actually scheduling next steps. Yeah. I was like doing a really good job at that. And I think everyone maybe falls into this where like, you just want to finish your demo. And then at the end of the call, you're like scrambling Yeah. for whatever reason, my last few calls have been, that's been happening to me and yeah. I, I was doing a good job at it. And then I slipped away from it. So now I know I need to focus back on that. Um, continuing to multi-thread. Um, and then also trying to leverage more, more references. I think, I think that's not something I've done a lot in the past, but I think I want to try to start incorporating that more. It's crazy how, you know, sales, just like anything else, like the fundamentals, like if you get next steps on every call and you've got however many people you need to multi-thread three, four five, whatever it is. Um, and you're just handling some of those things and you got the right titles in the room. It's crazy how often like just focusing on those like big rocks that are like mm -hmm. so simple get you to where you need to be. And like there's all this other stuff that can that can help and cross you over the line and some flashy stuff. But man, the fundamentals can get you so far. Yeah, it's like everything. Like I think we all know what we need to do. Right. Yeah. Like you can ask anyone how, how what's the best way to close this deal you're working and they'll tell you everything you need to do. It's just like you know, putting it to practice. It's kind of like, you know, you want to lose 10 pounds. What should you be doing? You know what you should be doing, but yeah. you want to, you don't want to really follow that. So that's the hardest thing is just like being consistent, sticking to the plan. That's, that's the hardest thing. Um, and then just like honing the skill. So scheduling next steps, there's a skill to that, you know, you should be doing it, but it's like, okay, what's the best way to do that? Um, but what's, what call should we schedule as a next step? That's something that I kind of um, am working on. There's a lot of ways we can take it yeah, demand-based, our sales cycles. There's like a million different use cases. I'm sure you even have a lot more too at Gong. So it's just like, okay, what should I recommend as the next step that they would agree to kind of thing? And that's trial and error, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's a great point because it's, it's if you have multiple products or multiple use cases you solve with your product, they're looking to you, you know, to be the expert yeah. as the salesperson, right? Like you, no one should know the process better than you. You've sold however many deals, you know, the product back and forth, they don't. So um, it's just a good call to action for a salesperson. Like at the end of the call, it's not just like, Hey, let's set up another call, but like why and with who, and yeah. like, what are, what are they going to get out of it? I think it's just a great, that's a great point. Yeah. And again, I think like everything I mentioned today is like, yeah, I, I do that, but I'm also trying to work on it at the same time. And I think every salesperson yeah. is in the same boat. We're not experts, but uh, we're, we, we're just, we try we're our just best. sharing the journey. Yeah, we try. We try our best. Um, man, this is a this is a great conversation. I gotta ask before I let you go. Um, who next do you want to see come on this podcast? Ooh, who next? Uh, I'll I'll recommend my buddy uh, Anthony Natoli. Anthony Natoli. I just met him. Uh, oh, did you? I just met him last week. Yeah. He's, he's a good a, dude. He's a buddy of mine. Um, 
he's been he's been uh really cranking out some LinkedIn content. He has a he has a pretty good story too that uh I'll, you know I'll let him dive down that story, but um that's who I'd recommend. I'll, I'll give him a plug. Nice. Were you buddies yeah. before sales or you just met on LinkedIn? Uh no, we we he was at Demandbase. We worked at Demandbase together. Oh. And uh okay, and, he, gotcha. and he's a and he's a Jersey guy. We stick together. That's what I figured. I I knew that. I I could figure that. The Italian yeah. Italian Jersey, like I knew there was some sort of connection going yeah. on there. Instant, instant connection. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, cool. Well, before we go, uh, definitely, yeah, I could not hot, more highly recommend that everyone you know connect and, and follow you on LinkedIn. I uh, put out great content there. If it's daily or mul- at least multiple times per week, I know you're doing some new shit going on on TikTok, on Twitter. <laughs> you're kind of all over the place. So yeah. uh, maybe just let us know, like, wh- what are the best places to hit you up and and learn more about you if they want to. I would say LinkedIn's the best place. I'm posting there twice a week. I'm trying to at least. Um, every other platform is at Vinmatano, one word. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Try. I've been this year. I'm focusing on creating more content. So, you know, hopefully, I stick to that, and maybe you guys can hold me accountable. Awesome, man. Vin, I appreciate you coming on, man. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out that episode. Start of the year. Let's kick some ass again. One of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.